Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast. Technically, August 21st edition. This is the biggest episode of the Fightful.com podcast that we have ever done and probably will do for quite a while. UFC 202, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Glover Teixeira, Donald Cerrone versus Rick Story, Cody Garbrandt possibly earning a title shot. Then later on in the show, we're going to talk NXT. We are brought to you by DraftBeast.com, the absolute best in fantasy sports. You want to have the most fun playing fantasy sports, go to DraftBeast. Play their goon games where you pick the most penalized players. Or uh, pick the, the worst possible team you possibly can to win. That's always fun. Also on it, go to our podcast page, our new fancy podcast page, which shows yours truly up at the top of it, mind you. Click that on it link. Check out their, their equipment, their supplements, all their great stuff there. Um, I think this week on the podcast, I'm going to pull some of it up on screen share and show you guys. But I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, UFC 202 was worth every dime. Oh, 100%. I mean, how many times have we heard over the years that people are saying, ah, oh, it's never worth it. It never lives up to the hype uh, and all that jazz. This one totally from, from top to bottom, from the fight past prelims all the way up to Fox Sports 1 uh, to this pay-per-view, worth every single penny, every single second spent in front of your television. I mean, what a, what an absolutely incredible card and topped off by a main event that was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we're going to get to each individual fight, the major major fights, obviously. Conor McGregor avenges his loss to Nate Diaz. Very close fight. 48-47 to McGregor on two scorecards. Uh, another scorecard had it a 47-47 draw. Joe, how did you score it? I had it 48-47 for Conor McGregor. I mean, it was, uh, it was that, that close. I was, I was thinking of giving that last round um, to Nate Diaz based on that takedown. Um, but, you know, in, in my books, when you get a takedown, you've got to do something with it. At that point there, you're not going to get a takedown and, and finish off your opponent. 
uh, and or you're not going to be able to, to submit him or, or land enough punches to stop the fight. So, at, you know, with, with 10 seconds left in a round, I don't believe you should get points for, for getting a takedown. Uh, you get points when you get a takedown, you finish somebody off or you use it to your advantage. So um, I, I just, by the slightest of margins, I gave it to Conor McGregor. I have no problem. Um, generally speaking, I don't like uh, 47-47s and I don't like, you know, decisions that are, are just, it was, it was I, I understand uh, how some of the judges saw it, but man, but it was, it was such a close fight. I can't wait for the trilogy, but I'll tell you that right now. I don't even know where to start. First round, Conor McGregor came out. I, I also scored it 48-47. Uh, first round, Conor McGregor came out attacking the legs of Diaz. Normally, I am really, really opposed to throwing leg kicks without setting them up. It was the right call for Conor McGregor to do that in this first round. Um Nate Diaz was answering with some leg kicks of his own, but they were really light inside leg kicks. They weren't doing a lot of damage. Then Conor McGregor started to open open up on uh, Nate Diaz. Nate was really, really concerned about those leg kicks in the first round. And man, Conor McGregor really took it to him. The first eight minutes of this played out the way that Conor McGregor would would like everybody to have thought that the first eight minutes of the last fight played out. He really did dominate the first eight minutes of this fight, Joe. Absolutely, 100%. But the next thing you know, he went from, you know, just cruising or, you know, at least going uh, at a beautiful pace, you know, let's, let's just say 100 miles an hour to just, you know, a, a tire popping off his car. It just bang. And it was just like, oh, what's happening here? And it just went from, from you know, fifth gear down to first gear. It's like, oh, you're in big trouble, bud. And you figure, ah, you know, Diaz is taking enough punishment he's not going to be able to do much back to Conor McGregor. And holy smokes, did he ever come back and really punish the Irishman? I mean, it just, it just the momentum swings in this fight were just fantastic. There are a plethora of really crappy takes, which we will get to after this. Because, you know, it always happens after these big fights, especially Diaz fights, I've noticed. But... um you know, that second round, a lot of people forgot that based on that last 90 seconds, how much Conor McGregor was in control. He was doing he was doing exceptionally well. Like it was if you would have awarded that round Diaz or McGregor, no problems from this guy. Uh, a very, very good round. Round three was all Diaz, all Diaz, including one judge giving it a 10-8. What, what did you think about that scoring? Yeah, you could, I mean, you could have gave you, you could even given the first round a ten eight to Conor McGregor and the third round a ten eight to Nate Diaz. Uh, in essence, if if you've done something which nearly stops the fight, and in the first round Conor McGregor dropped uh, Nate Diaz, and in in the third round Nate Diaz basically pummeled uh, Conor McGregor, I got no problem with ten eight rounds at all in, in either one of those two. So, yeah, ten eight's not a problem to me. After round three, I, I would I, I even said in round three, I would be shocked if this went to the fifth round, let alone go the distance. But I was I would have been shocked if it went to the fifth round. It did go to the fifth round because Conor McGregor somehow found it within himself to not only last through the fourth round, but to uh, do pretty damn well, really well in the fourth round because he won the fourth round. Um, were you surprised to see Conor McGregor? I don't want to say step on the gas. But he, you know, he found it within himself to to last that not last the fourth round, win the fourth round. I was surprised to see that. A one hundred percent surprised that he won that fourth round. I thought for sure after the end of that third round, he was just done. 
all but done. Like, I mean, what do you, what, what's he going to do uh, to just, he, he won't be able to survive what Nate Diaz is going to bring to the table or bring to the, to that, you know, fourth round. And next thing you know, it was Conor McGregor's round. I thought to myself, what's going on here? And then you, know, you look at Diaz's face in the first 10 seconds, he's already bloodied up. And it's like, did it, I mean, did they work on the cut or the cuts in between rounds? What happened there? And it, I just thought for sure Diaz was going to come out there, put the pressure on him and just finish him off. Because uh, he was, saved, I mean, McGregor was saved by the bell in the third round. Let's be honest. And I thought, you know, that's it. It's done. It's within the first minute or so. He's going to finish him off. Connor doesn't have anything left in the gas tank, and lo and behold, second win, call it whatever you want, reserve tank, and he ends up taking that round. So kudos to him. Just the, just the heart that both these guys showed in this fight was absolutely insane. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Connor McGregor was saved by the bell. Um, and was very close to he was very close to losing this fight on multiple occasions, whether it be because of his gas tank or whatever it is. I mean, Nate Diaz is a guy who does triathlons in his downtime. Like not training for MMA. He's just like, don't have a lot to do. Maybe I'll run a, do a triathlon sometime soon. Okay, that's the type of guy you're dealing with. Um, I have to say also, that first round from McGregor, that's one of the most energy-efficient ways to win a round I've seen in recent UFC memory. I will say that that's a stark contrast from him not being monster energy-efficient on Wednesday, Joe. Yeah, that is absolutely correct, yeah. I, I, listen, uh, Tim Means had the same sort of round, rounds one and two versus Sabo Hamas. I know, I know we're going to get to that, but yeah, very, very efficient um, not wasting energy, not getting overly explosive and, and following up when you're landing those big punches, you know, keeping the rhythm, you dictate the rhythm. I mean, we, we, we all, we've all heard GSP talk about that, you know, that this guy can't uh, compete at my rhythm because if, if when you're competing, if you're sparring with anyone and they're competing at your rhythm, you're making them tired because what, what ends up happening, or if you're sparring with someone and you're too busy defending, you're then competing at their rhythm. Your heart rate is going with their heart rate. You're going to get tired. So, Good on Conor McGregor for keeping control of that. Uh, like you said, very, very efficient. Um, he, he does have sort of a weird way of throwing those leg kicks. It's not you know, the, the, the prototypical um, technique that you would see in Muay Thai. It, it, was, it was sort of a weird way. Uh, he wasn't really turning the hip. He was more swinging it uh, as opposed to turning the hip over and really driving the shin. Uh, but it was effective. I'll give him that. Uh, I could just wonder, though, if he actually was able to turn that hip and throw it um, with like a baseball bat, how much more damage he would have did. But then again, looking at the way Diaz kept coming back, you could have brought a baseball bat in there and Diaz wasn't going to stop at all. And when you're facing a much longer fighter like that and, and you do turn into them, you, you leave yourself open for a counter a lot more. And that's something, if you give Diaz that opening, as we saw, that could be it. I mean, he's, when, when he had McGregor up against the cage, that's the Diaz specialty right there. The Diaz camp specialty. Well, unless you're Avila. Whew, we'll talk about that later, too. Boy, will we. Um, fifth round, Conor McGregor held on, managed to get a win. Now, what I want to talk about a little bit, you know, you get a lot of casual fans watching events like this. And I know you've seen it a million times. And it, it, it is especially prevalent in Diaz fights. The robbery comments and the crap like that and the fixes in and all this stuff guys I, I just want to say this I'll try I'm going to try to not explain it the fight wasn't fixed there was no robbery period I'm looking at the media scores right now 
13 McGregor, four a draw, one Diaz. And the one that scored it for Diaz doesn't actually have articles on their site. They are simply a ranking site. Um, <clears throat> there was nothing. If you are calling this fight fixed or you are calling this fight a robbery, I am calling you a, a complete douche goblin because that's what you are. You're ridiculous. You shouldn't disrespect the two people that went into the cage and had one of the great UFC main event fights of all time that absolutely lived up to every bit of hype, every water bottle tossing, touch butt in the parking hype that they did. I think that's really, I think that's disrespectful, Joe. Yep. Well, like you said, when you teed off your, uh, your statement there or your um, little rant there, I've seen it a million times. I've read it a million times. I've heard it a million times. And I'm at, I, I just completely disregard it because if, if that is the opinion that somebody has after watching a fight like this, I'm not going to lower my standards down to, you know, I, I don't know if it's Confucius that said, if you lower your standard to a fool, you're the actual fool. So it's, there's no point in discussing it. Uh, I understand emotions get in there. I also understand there's a whack of ignorance out there of people that don't know how to score uh, MMA fights, that don't really understand MMA fights. Uh, they, they wear their rose-colored glasses, and they just simply root for their fighter. And, um, and, and there's nothing wrong is, with so. that. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're, not everybody needs to be media. Not everybody needs to be judges. Sure, that, that's fine. Be a fan. Be a fan. There's nothing wrong with that. But robbery, that, that's dangerous territory. I posted something on Facebook about this, and somebody sarcastically said, the co-main was an early stoppage. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> he was being sarcastic, Joe. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, Conor McGregor said that he wants to have a trilogy fight at 155. If that happens soon... He has to get rid of that 145 belt, right? Well, I mean, according to, to Diaz, he's not coming back until he gets that fight. So if why would he? If, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a huge. Would he get two million dollars tonight? So he's got some. Uh, he's got before big the pay per view money. Before the pay per view money. That is correct. So he's got a nice, probably a four million dollar paycheck coming his way. Um, in, in essence, I would love to see that fight at 155 pounds. I think that does sway. Uh, the momentum back over to Conor McGregor as well because um, you know he 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 won't suffer as much getting to 155 uh, potentially as Nate does, but Nate's done it so many times and he's actually that's actually his weight class, so it is kind of weird uh, that he wants to get it done. But I think it might be a better Conor McGregor uh, in that fight there. Who I mean, actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. Who knows what's going to happen? But I do want to see it. But to answer your question, is it going to happen anytime soon? Not according to what Dana White said. Um, he's got to go back down and defend his title. Uh, he's got to have that, that, you know, the, the, the rematch with Jose Aldo Jr. But what makes more money for the UFC? Because they're both going to make a lot of money. I think the trilogy fight brings in a lot more cash for the organization than the rematch with Jose Aldo Jr. I do too. Um, Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in, what, 14 seconds? So he would be completely justified in saying, I want to fight that guy again. Don't want to drop to 145, but he has to let go of the belt. Now, I, I ask you, Joe, if he does let go of the belt, what does that do for Jose Aldo as a champion? Because as we found out, for three years in the absence of Dominic Cruz, the Bantamweight division was a lie. It was a fable. It was a mirage, a fairy tale. 
It was all pretend. Hannon Burrell might as well not have existed while Dominic Cruz was around. And that's really what happened. He took three years off, came back, won his title back. And it's like, well, hot damn. You have a guy now in Jose Aldo who, if McGregor does not come back to the division, will be promoted to undisputed champion because he'd have to vacate the title. But it's a guy who got slept, got slumped in 14 seconds. How do you how do you think that affects Aldo? He was never a big pay per view draw before. Do you think it hurts him? Oh, it definitely hurts him. And you know, Conor McGregor is going to remind him every time uh, the name Jose Aldo comes up, uh, and he's got a microphone or camera in front of him. He'll just continue to remind him that you're not the undisputed champ. You're holding that belt until I determine and I decide to come back down to 145 pounds uh, to bring it back to where it belongs. So it's one of those situations. It's 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 a bit of a mess. Conor McGregor. Uh, is causing a little bit of a mess for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, a good mess when you think about it. Uh, bad for the 145-pound weight class because uh, who does Jose Aldo really fight if Conor McGregor doesn't come down? I mean, based on what happened with Frankie Edgar, that was the fight we all wanted to see. We all thought Frankie Edgar, uh, well, many of us thought Frankie Edgar was going to do a lot better versus Jose Aldo Jr., and he didn't. So the big fight is Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. If that fight doesn't happen, all right, well, then who fights next? There are a plethora of contenders at 155 pounds from Donald. So it was so funny. How, how funny is this? By the way, <laughs> there are three men that fought at 170 tonight that could have ended up earning a 155 pound title shot off of their welterweight wins between Cerrone Diaz and McGregor. Now you have Khabib, you have Tony Ferguson, who I think needs, you know, he has that win over Edson Barboza, but he needs another top five win before you start talking about him him there uh but you do have you know eddie alvarez being champion really opens the floodgates donald cerrone wants a title shot one i figured they would have given it to him but conor mcgregor it looks like it'll be aldo or diaz for him so where do you think that go because this it's crazy how this fight has implications on so many divisions yeah i mean i'm looking at the featherweight division right now as an example um, I mean, who would Jose fight? Max, Max Holloway? Holloway. Right? Okay, Max fine. Holloway. Max Holloway. And you know what Conor McGregor is going to say about that fight, right? Of course. Sure. I right? beat him with a torn ACL. That's what he'll say. <laughs> that, that happened in the first round. Right? So, How funny is it that the WWE wrestlers have been burying featherweights for weeks, and Conor McGregor is probably going to join them in burying featherweights pretty soon? Correct. I mean, it's, it's, it's so it would be really interesting. But now, remember, Conor's got a broken foot now. So he'll, he's going to be out uh, at minimum for six weeks while that thing heals up. Um, so he's going to be out for quite some time. We probably won't see him, uh, but we're in August right now. Do you actually think you're going to see him in December or by the end of the year? I don't think we see him. I think they would, have loved to have, they would have loved to have had him by November. But I think if, if all goes well, we'll talk about it. They, they may have a light heavyweight title fight for uh, New York City if they want it. It really depends. Also, UFC released their schedule. How kind of them. I really I appreciate that, UFC. I loved it when they released their schedule a full year ahead of time. That was awesome. That was fantastic. Dave Scholler, come on. Hook us up. I know that you know there was a rejoicing among MMA media when that happened. We could schedule things for once, more than three months ahead of time. I scheduled my wedding, Joe, on a Sunday because I knew I would have to work on a Saturday. As it turns out, I'm not working that Saturday anyway, but I had a change of employer, so I had to 
you know, think ahead. But also one thing I want – a couple more things I want to ask. At what point do you think McGregor broke his foot? Got to be in that first round, I assume. Uh, all those kicks that he was throwing and then as soon as – actually, maybe not in the first round unless it was that one time uh, or the two times that Diaz did check the kick. Uh, but other than that, it could have happened maybe in, in the second round. Because remember, he did go from from you know 100 miles an hour to just just complete breaks yeah. being screeched. So that could have happened in the second round, I assume, then. Well, he was – you know, I don't know if he was uh, going 100 miles an hour per se. He was being very efficient, as I said, but – Diaz started to figure him out. He started to realize, put the pressure on him, put him up against the cage. It's bad news bears for McGregor. Also, what do you make? You you kind of mentioned it. Maybe it had been attributed to the the foot break or the bruise or whatever. Is it officially a foot break? Did they say that? Yeah, he was. I mean, Joe Rogan mentioned it at the the end of the broadcast that you saw Connor really limping uh, as he was leaving the octagon and walking through the aisles. Uh, to get backstage, it was uh, he had mentioned that Connor had stated that he busted his foot. So, is that what you attribute maybe him slowing down to, or was it his cardio? Was it Diaz's pressure? Was it a combination of all of those? Yeah, you can make the argument it was a combination of all those. I know that um, you know th- these guys. I mean, he, he tore his ACL against Max Holloway and fought the full fifteen minutes. Uh, these guys go through a lot of things. I mean, remember Uriah Faber breaking both his hands in that one fight. I don't know if it was against Jens his Palmer. Elbows uh, the whole fight. I think it was. I thought it was Mike Brown because he lost. Was that Mike fight. Brown. Yeah. Okay. But these guys, they, 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 their pain tolerance is right through the roof. Uh, but perhaps, for example, it starts playing mind games with you. Yeah, there's the pain. Uh, but let's say the game plan was to be nonstop with those kicks, uh, be relentless with them. Oh, I just broke my foot with the kick with the leg that I'm kicking with the most. What am I doing now? I got to get to my corner. Oh, there's Nate Diaz stalking, slapping me nonstop right now. This show, it was something special. You know what's terrifying to think of as I segue into the next fight? Tell me. Anthony Rumble Johnson once fought at the weight that Conor McGregor is fighting at tonight. I'll never forget UFC, maybe 100, whenever the, the, the first UFC Fan Expo was. AJ was signing autographs, and it was the first time um, one of my producers had come with me on the road from Sportsnet, and we were walking through the aisles, whatever, and we were just trying to get a bunch of interviews, and he looked over, and he's like, is that Anthony Johnson? I looked over, and I said, yeah, it's AJ, it's AJ, and AJ kind of waves me over, and we go over, just and, and the whole time, we were just talking, swapping stuff, just shooting the breeze, and the look on my producer's face was just sheer awe. He was like, that guy fights at 170? He is a monster. And I'm like, wrestlers, man, these guys cut weight like crazy. Incredible that he made that weight. And then he later beat the number six heavyweight currently ranked in the UFC. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jeez. What was it, Arlovsky fight? Was um, that, in, uh, that was in Strike Force, was it? I think it was in World Series of Fighting. World Series of Fighting, okay. Crazy to think that they could have put that they put that fight on. World Series of Fighting. But if you put that on a UFC pay-per-view, that's, that's a legit co-main event of a pay-per-view. Andre Arlovsky versus Anthony Rumble Johnson today. So Anthony Rumble Johnson, the term I used earlier, schlumped Glover Teixeira, and it was very quick. Joe, your takeaways. I, I don't know what to say about that fight. I mean, 13 seconds of like, holy smokes, what just happened there? Um, I, 
the, the fact AJ was able to land that uppercut the way he did. Uh, and remember, Glover Teixeira, the last time he got KO'd or, or hurt like that was his very first fight in 2002. Like, that's a long time. That's 14 years ago. And the fact that AJ did it uh, as the number one contender versus the number two contender in the division, uh, well, you make an argument John Jones is probably number one and then whatever, but you, you understand what I'm saying. It's just the brutality and the power uh, to do that to Glover Teixeira, who really hasn't ever been in that much trouble uh, in the octagon. He's had a couple of situations where he's gone the distance, but not like that, where he just completely just gets, you know, he just lights go completely out. So Anthony Johnson, man, that, that's just, those, those punches are absolutely scary. And, 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 and kudos to the guys in the broadcast for saying that, you know, what kind of chin does Daniel Cormier have to be able to withstand uh, what Rumble did to him? I want to see that fight with both men knowing what they're, they're training for. With both men knowing what they're headed for. Um, a full camp, you know, well ahead of time. It was so funny because I, I don't want to say that I sarcastically said it, but I remember when Chael Sonnen and Dan Henderson and, and John Jones were going through their thing, when Dan Henderson had to withdraw – I said, I wish the UFC would sign Anthony Rumble Johnson and put him in the main event against John Jones. I don't know that he would have taken that fight. I doubt John Jones would, knowing what we know today. But there's a possibility Anthony Rumble Johnson could have been UFC light heavyweight champion back then. He touches somebody, there is a good chance he goes to sleep. I would go as far as to say he may have the most power of any UFC fighter I've seen, maybe outside of Shane Carwin, maybe outside of Shane Carwin, and that's Getting, getting close at this point. Where would you rank him all time? And I'm talking heavyweights included. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good analogy. Shane Carwin, uh, dude had some serious power. I mean, that, that, those are just meat hooks in his hands. Just like lunch pails and cinder I, I don't mean but... to interrupt you, but we have a Wikipedia entry here. Okay. A KO of Glover Teixeira by Anthony Johnson via Harambate. Do you know who Harambe is? Negative, sir. He's he's the gorilla that got shot dead at the Cincinnati Zoo a few months ago. Yeah, okay. Good job, users of Wikipedia. Sorry, I felt that was noteworthy enough. Sorry, Joe. Where would you rank you know, Shane Carwin, Anthony Johnson? Those are two guys in particular. They blink in your general direction. You might the wind may come off of their eyelashes and knock you out. Uh, yeah, I think um, that, that's. I mean, Mark Hunt has had some epic ones as well. Um, CM Punk. Who? CM Punk. One knee off of his <laughs> shoulders, and not a lot of people kick out of that, Joe. That's a very good point. That's a great analogy. So we're we already got CM Punk in the top four. Uh, of knockout artists in UFC history. I like it. Sure. So that's big. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson moves to the top of that UFC light heavyweight division, will likely get the next shot against against Daniel Cormier. Glover Teixeira, the number two ranked guy in the world uh, as of these rankings. And once you get past number three in that division, it gets real weird looking. You could put... You could do a round-robin tournament with a lot of those guys, and you're going to get five and five results if they all face each other. 
Like you're gonna have. Do you remember everybody when the division with... was the killer division? It was Murderers Row. Yeah, and it was well. I mean, it was still like a carousel, a revolving door. Rashad, Forrest Griffin, Rampage, Chuck Liddell, uh, Tito Ortiz was still in the division. He was not. Maybe he was a big name, and it just you know it was weird. And there, I think that this was a lot. The, the light heavyweight division was a case of a lot of guys hitting their primes at the exact time that they needed to hit their primes. You had like uh, Forrest Griffin, Quentin Rampage Jackson. I don't want to say Shogun because his prime was long before. Uh, Machida, Rashad. I think they all hit their physical primes, their fighting primes at the exact moment they needed to to beat whoever was the champion before them. And in a way that, you know, that I think that that happens a lot with it nowadays, but you've had John Jones who just runs things. What, what do you see in the future of this light heavyweight division? Do you see anybody besides Anthony Johnson or Daniel Cormier breaking out? And Dan, Daniel Cormier have, he's getting up there. Yeah. I'm just having a weird, I'm having a weird flashback right now. Cause I'm looking at the light heavyweight rankings and I'm like, Oh, where, what, man, whatever happened to Leota Machida? Oh, he went to middleweight. I'm looking at the middleweight rankings. I'm like, whatever happened to Leota Machida? All right, then. Moving forward, right? Yeah. It's just like I'm having this weird sort of flashback. This guy was the light heavyweight champion of the world. Um, you know, he was a top middleweight contender. He's nowhere to be found. Um, just so weird how things are. But at the same time, um, don't count out Gustafson just yet. Uh, he, I, I know he's, he's fought up there twice for the title and it just – Came up, you know, so short. Um, he's. I know John. I know. I know AJ smashed him uh, in Sweden. Get it? Totally understand it. Um, but don't count out Gustafsson just yet. AJ's there. DC's there. We got four guys with with John Jones that could be running this division for for a long time. And and if you know, it's it's. I just want John Jones to come back so we can sort of figure all this out because it it gets a little confusing like you said about the featherweight division where we're a little confused as to what's happening there what's happening at lightweight and stuff like that it's almost like everyone's division just sort of weirded out right now uh just want john jones to come back let's see what happens with this usada stuff uh and let's just finish off this division clean it up and just get everything back in order um and then you know take it from there but other than that yeah going up and down this this top 15 you're just kind of like wow well hey nikita krylov oh jesus Jesus, I, you remember the guy I told you he was like a sarcastically a fan of his? He was here tonight. Yes. And he was singing the praises. He yeah, he was here tonight and he was singing the praises of one Nikita Krylov. Jesus, who doesn't like Nikita Krylov? I, I love him now. I love him now. I do. But man, he's got to fight. He, you can't put him against the slowest fighter in the UFC. And I'm talking like you put Ed Herman in a foot race with Mark Hunt and Roy Nelson, then Ed Herman's taking the bronze. He's that slow. Ouch. Ouch. He's ta- no offense, Ed. You'd kick the shit out of me, but you're, you're taking third in that race, buddy. So, Donald Cerrone looks really good at 170 pounds. Jesus. Man, that combination was ridiculous. It looked like he was able to stop time know exactly where Rick Story's head and face was going to be, rewind, and then executed in absolute sheer perfection. That's one of those things, Sean, where a fighter's acuity is so precise 
that it's almost like he sees things happen in slow motion. He knows where the human body is going to be when he does this, two, three, four. I mean, it was just like the precision of those strikes. The fact where like Story's head was so off kilter and around three <laughs> o'clock or four o'clock almost, and he still was able, and, 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 and Cerrone was still able to get that shin across the guy's noggin. It's like, oh my God. And it was the third strike he threw in the combination. Ridiculous, man. I want to look back at people that he has defeated because it's impressive. 11 of 12 fights this guy has won. 11 of 12. That's, that's insane. Rick Story, who is top 10 UFC welterweight right now. Patrick Cote, former uh, UFC title challenger. Ben Henderson, former UFC champion. Miles Jury, who was, I believe, on a pretty hot streak at the time, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be wrong. Eddie Alvarez, current UFC champion. Jim Miller, who can beat anybody at any given time. He's one of those guys. Edson Barboza, who is currently a top five UFC lightweight. It's so impressive. And between 170, he wants a shot at Eddie Alvarez. This is never going to happen, my pitch. It will never happen. I would love to see the UFC bring back like a super fight championship that could float between weights, a catch weight, whatever. Wherever it ends up is where it ends up. I don't give a damn. I don't care. Make it a trophy. Make it a, a medal. I don't give a damn. Donald Cerrone, I think it's fantastic. I think guys like this who are willing to jump up and down weight classes, maybe it, I don't know if it should be rewarded. Maybe it should be the norm. Um, with Seeing Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone do this, do you think it's going to become more common? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean – Follow the money trail, right? If it leads to a big payday, do it. And I think that's what's happening with some of these guys is, you know, well, well, for Donald's case, it just, just got to the point where after he lost to, um, you know, RDA, he's like, all right, you know what? I got to get out of this division. I, I finally got my second title shot. Uh, I got smashed by Pettis with a body kick. Uh, and then I go and fight, uh, you know, RDA and get knocked out in 90, or in a minute and a half or some of that, or even less than that. And he's just like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm going to welterweight. Goes to 170 pounds. Uh, crushes everyone, finishes everybody, uh, and ends off with an unbelievable performance tonight, and then calls out Eddie Alvarez for Madison Square Garden. So it's, I mean, it's weird. It is weird. I can't see the UFC granting him this title shot. Um, Stranger things have happened with their matchmaking, but uh, I can't see it happening. I love the fact that Donald Cerrone is willing to fight just anywhere. He just really doesn't care. Um, very versatile. Him fighting a broomstick is an automatic Fox Sports 1 main event. Doesn't matter. Uh, him fighting anybody, you throw it on a pay-per-view card, just like tonight, and Rick Story's a good opponent. Perfect. Sure. Good with that. Uh, this guy, now, keep in mind, he is ranked number six as a lightweight. He is currently ranked number 14 as a welterweight. I don't know if there has been anybody that has cracked the top 10 and two weight division simultaneously. Maybe I'll have to look. I'll have to ask around. Do you know of anybody? Yeah, there was someone um, uh, in the past before, but then um, I don't know who sent off the email. If it was someone from, from the UFC rankings or someone said, look, he no longer competes in that division. And I was like, well, yeah, because his next fight is, is at one. I forgot who it was. I'm trying, I'm just drawing a blank right now. Uh, but there was one other person, but you know, the people, so 
Do you still Maybe continue Machida? to rank? Could have been Machida. No, it was someone else. It was someone else. Maybe Henderson? Could have been. Five and then 185. But it was one of those things where it's like, do you continue to rank Donald Cerrone at 155 pounds if he's now a welterweight? I mean, should he not be in the rankings? Or should he be yeah. in the rankings at 155 pounds? It's just, it's a weird argument. That's why rankings to me, they're so subjective. Uh, they're, they're more of a headache to me than anything. But, yeah. you know, we got to look at them. We got to pay attention to them. Um, I've got my own little internal rankings that, you know, you would probably laugh at or probably love. It's just one of those things where it's like everyone has their own ideas about rankings and it is what it is. But yeah, Donald Cerrone, man. I mean, I'd love to see him fight. Well, the funny Albert. thing is Demetrius Johnson, John Lineker, and John Dodson could all probably be top five in the 125 and 135 pound divisions if, if they so chose, but Lineker can't make that weight. So big win for Donald Cerrone, third straight at 170. Third straight performance of the night bonus at 170. He's going to enjoy that. I noticed that he had like a long scar down his back. Has that been there forever? Or did he like go racing cheetahs before the fight or something? Well, the, Donald's a nutcase, okay? Like he, he's, he's missing a few screws. I remember the, we did a media thing in, in, at, at uh, Jackson Winklejohn, and he decided to show up like an hour, an hour and a half late uh, just because he wanted to bring his horses there first. What? What are you doing? And then we were talking about going to Lake Mead, and like you, you saw him in, on, on the um, on the embedded stuff. He's jumping around on the on the uh, on the he's wakeboarding, uh, riding his Harley down the strip. Who knows what he did leading up to this fight? I have no idea if that scar was there before or not. But the guy's a nutcase. He absolutely he just lives for fear. He is fearless. <laughs> just he's probably got more injuries outside of training than any other fighter can ever possibly have. Most guys are like, I'm not doing anything. This is my career. Not Donald, man. Donald told me flat out one time that he goes to bed around 9, 9.30 every night so he can get to the lake by 6 a.m. And the guy is crazy. He's just, he just wow. loves thrill sports. Guys, if you all haven't checked out Fightful.com, I know some of you are watching on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, brand new site. You got guys like Showdown Joe there. Myself. Your boy. As well as Vince Russo. Also, go there, register absolutely free. You'll get early access to some of our podcasts, Showdown Joe's columns, Vince Russo's columns, our exclusive backstage news from WWE, Pro Wrestling, uh, Bellator, UFC, anything like that. We had great stuff. We had Justin Golightly's A Comprehensive History of Touch Butt, a fantastic read that was. Uh, Showdown Joe writes for us twice a week. We had an exclusive interview with Chael Sonnen uh, talking about CM Punk talking about trying to train with CM Punk, the controversy between him and WWE. We have all kinds of news up there. We fully cover boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, all of it. If there's anything you don't like out of either of those sports, you can filter them out on the main page. We bring you four to five podcasts every week's week. Also, you get access to our exclusive forums, uh, which have been overhauled, which you all should check that out. We're gonna, we had a daily thread up for a few days. We're moving that over to the forums, make it a little easier. A little easier for you guys to find. Uh, share the page, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, all that stuff. Let people know about it. We're still very early, haven't started marketing. Your support really, really helps us. But yeah, we have full coverage of every event. And also we have Alex Pawlowski who, covered, um, who covers several shows for us this week. He's going to join me later to talk NXT. But yeah, if you haven't visited Fightful.com, please do it. Bookmark it. Also uh, follow Fightful online at Twitter and Facebook, and subscribe. I'm sure the button's right there, I think, or maybe there. I don't know where it is. 
It's somewhere down there. Joe, you know uh, this fella whose name I cannot pronounce? Homasi? Saba Homasi. Saba Homasi. Face Tim means. Uh, pretty tall order on short notice. This was the type of fight that we pretty much expected it would be. What were your takeaways from the fight? Um, well, the first thing that I noticed, uh, I'm not just talking about the weigh-ins and stuff like that, but tonight was, so for those that don't know, you probably I mean the Canadian viewers that have seen me on television, when they meet me for the first time in person, they're like, dude, like you're really short. I'm like, yeah, I'm 5'7". I'm not 6'3". I'm 5'7". So when I stood next to Sabo Homasi over the past two shows at Titan, I'm a short dude, man. The guy's a tall guy. And then I see him in the cage with Tim Means, and Tim Means is just oh, like yeah. a monster over top of this guy. I'm like, oh my goodness, I wasn't expecting this. And Tim Means just put on this spectacular performance over a guy that I've seen compete uh, two or three times, like literally a few feet away from me, and put on stellar performances. It just goes to show you the caliber of fighters and the different levels uh, in the UFC. And Tim Means. Uh, I mean, do we even con- consider him a real contender? Maybe a prospect at 170 pounds. Six out, just- six out of seven, he's won now. He's he's got to get. A, he's one of those guys needs a top ten opponent or top fifteen opponent. But the thing is, he's been given a couple of them. Neil Magny, uh, Matt Brown, maybe not Neil Magny at the time, but Neil Magny is a top fifteen welterweight. Lost both of them. So but, what do you do? Yeah, it just goes to show you that there's just the amount of levels that it takes to get to become a champion or even a contender or a prospect is ridiculous. And to do what he did to Saba Homasi was, was just something else. I, I, I mean, I, I was very, very impressed with that performance. As was I. Mike Perry beat Hyungyu Lim. We, this was also a fight. We pretty much said it was going to be like this. And Mike Perry was the guy that got the victory. Um, Yu Lim has lost three of his last four but is a very exciting fighter and is a fighter from a demographic in which they like to travel to. So do you think – I wouldn't say his job's in danger. Maybe if he lost his next fight. But I, I got the feeling they'll give him a gimme maybe overseas. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Totally whenever it's agree. If they, get, if they can have the next event, um, whether it's Japan, Korea, uh, or wherever, he, he's going to probably get someone uh, local – trying to break into the scene just to either get him a win or against someone local that they really believe in uh, is the next guy that should be representing, um, you know, at, at 170 pounds. Uh, as for Mike Perry, uh, holy tee off Batman. I mean, that, that, that's some, some pretty good, pretty good striking tonight. Uh, the way yeah. he landed some of those bombs, but uh, good on Mike. Good performance at Mike. Cody Garbrandt may have very well have earned a UFC Bantamweight title shot. Do you think he deserves that title shot? There is heat there between Cruz and Garbrandt. So, and it was on this card. Like people got to see it leading into this card, which is a very good stage. People know who Dominic Cruz is. He is there on the Fox show. More people than ever, I think, will know who Dominic Cruz is after tonight because UFC is not doing a post-fight presser. So those people who are trying to get their post-fight fix and for some reason are dumb and don't watch the Fightful podcast, they're going to tune into Fox. Diaz or uh, Cruz is going to be on that. You're going to hear Cruz talk about Garbrandt. You're going to see that built up. An impressive victory. I mean, it's like he was trying to one-up Dominic Cruz's victory over Takeo Mizugaki, Joe. 
Well, before all this Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz talk happened, uh, if I recall correctly, the mixed martial arts world was talking about who should be next in line for Dominic Cruz. Should it be Brian Caraway or should it be John Lineker? John Lineker's last fight was absolutely stupid. It was ridiculous. It was yeah. freaking awesome. And then Dominic Cruz comes out and says, ah, this Cody Carbrand guy, I'd like to fight him. I'd like to give him another concussion. Blah, 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 on and on and on and went. And then Cody's like, the hell are you talking to me like that, son? I don't care if you're the champ. I'll knock you out. I'll break your jaw. And these two guys started going at it. And then, you know, they get a common opponent. And then Cody Garbrandt absolutely runs through a guy who I thought was probably going to give Cody a much more difficult time in terms of perhaps beating him uh, via decision. Uh, and lo and behold, Cody goes to 10-0, and smashes him worse than Dominic Cruz did, uh, and then calls him out. And the camera is already focused on Dominic Cruz. What does that say, Sean Ross Sapp? The UFC is already involved in this. If they've already got this camera ready to go on Dominic oh, yeah. Cruz. Also, guys, yeah, that, that's that's set. It is set. Also, I'm, I'm not comfortable with Brian Caraway getting that fight because it seems like every two months we hear about another fight that he's rejected. How many times have we heard that? Like, seriously, four or five times we've heard of somebody that he doesn't want to fight, and then he's always so keen on calling out people who are coming off of really long layoffs. He picks his spots a little too much for my liking. Uh, guys, we have the highlights of Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz going up on the website very soon, so you can check that out too. Also, on the prelim card, two uh, female fights. Raquel Pennington continues to look really good. Elizabeth Phillips did not have a wardrobe malfunction. She doubled up on the Reebok gear, which uh, she was very outspoken about, as she should be. None of those women should have to fear that that is going to happen when such a controversial change in uniform happens. Uh, Randa Marcos submitted by Courtney Casey. Courtney Casey was a girl who came into the UFC with a lot of promise and started out kind of slow. Uh, submission victory here. Anything you took away from these two female bouts? Raquel Pennington climbing that ladder, but needs a bigger opponent. Uh, you know, A trend we've, we've spoken about a lot lately. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Raquel, she looked good tonight. I mean, she looked really good tonight. Um, very impressive performance. You know, she, she got a, a three-round shot on all three judges' scorecards. Um, I mean, Courtney Casey, though, I mean, she does not know how to play nice. She's mean. Uh, she, you know, doesn't like this, anyone in her sandbox. And that whole situation with Randa Marcos, the way, I mean, when, when Randa had the, uh, you know, the, the judo hold down there, and, you know, she's just kind of getting her leg out. She's annoyed. You can tell Courtney was annoyed. I'm going to get out of this position, and when I do, I'm going to smash your face in. And she just waited and waited and waited. And as soon as she got out, um, she just started pounding Randa. Randa turns around, intensifies the pounding, and you're just kind of like, oh, my God, you're mean. You are not a nice human being. Holy smokes, are you drilling her? And then eventually gets that arm bar, and, and dude, I mean, they didn't, I don't know if they showed the replay or not, but she was cranking that thing uh, with a fair amount of hatred in her eyes. I was like, whoa, I am liking Courtney Casey here. She is a mean girl, ladies and gentlemen. We got some comic relief on this show as well in the form of McGregor and Diaz teammates, Artem Labov and 
uh, who was it, Chris Avila? We know why these two were on the card. It was to build things up, and Avila looked like an amateur. He got pieced up by Artem Lobov. What you, what you got to say? Uh, what, <laughs> what else can you really say about that situation, right? I mean, you and I were talking about Lobov's. Like, how does this guy still have uh, a job, job with the UFC? Well, and I said, it's Connor. What's that? We know. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, he's Connor's boy, right? He's Connor's boy. Yeah. Get it. Totally understand it. Not that I'm saying, I mean, neither one of these guys are bad fighters per se, but, you know, like, yeah. Like, it's just, it, it, it was what it was. And, you know, I don't know why it was on the on the Fox card. I mean, that could have been a Fox Well, I know, I know why it was on the Fox card. Because they, you know, they wanted, I, I think it was good to put it on the Fox card because they did have that built-in rivalry that you could push to those maybe on the fence and you could tie it into the Diaz McGregor thing. I mean, I, I understand that. Sure. Fair but when you got, L- when you got Lorenz Larkin and Neil Magny, two guys, and I, I get it. They want to, to build, they want a big main event for the fight pass. But like I said, you put one of those women's MMA fights on there. You're going to get probably because there, there's a niche group that only watch women's MMA fights. There are those people. It's just, I think that, yeah, but we'll, we'll move on. Let's talk about Neil Magny, Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin, big win over Neil Magny. Not easy to beat Neil Magny, even tougher to finish Neil Magny. And he did it. Neil Magny, who had won like 9 of 10, something like that. Now Lorenz Larkin has won 4 of 5 since moving to welterweight. Yeah, If I'm him, he's probably not getting it, but I'm saying, you know, I beat that Robbie Lawler guy once. Give me him. Why, why wouldn't he? Yeah, he won't be getting it, though. But did you think, I mean, honestly, when, when, when you and I spoke about this fight um, earlier in the week, did we actually think that, that Lorenz Larkin could do this in one round? I mean, if he was going to do it, you know, maybe he could pick apart Neil Magny and then kind of finish him off. But, you know, by, by all, you know, again, paper doesn't fight paper. But I thought Neil Magny was going to wear and tear this guy down, maul and brawl him and just, you know, yada, 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 then look for some sort of punishment late in the second or, or sometime in the third round. This was just insane by Lorenz Larkin. I mean, that was sick. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, Neil Magny has consistently impressed me. And that, that's, that's a big, big win. And Lorenz Larkin just beat Jorge Masvidal, another guy who was just fun to watch. And this is a guy who almost lost his job. He lost to Tavares, uh, Philippou, and Brunson. And his back was against the wall, and they gave him another shot at welterweight. And that goes to show you what a, what a change in weight can do, what a change in lifestyle can do. So good for Lorenz Larkin. We also we, we started off the card with um, Tori and Uda, Covington and Griffin, a couple of not quick finishes, a uh, couple of finishes. Covington very outspoken again after the fight. He continues to be impressive, five of six. And he finishes people. He's finished four of his five fights. The only person he didn't finish is Mike Pyle. And, okay, cool. Jim, hey, in the gym, Mike Pyle. That's another one of our fabled up there with TRT Vitor and Kimbo with six months of sprawl training. Sober John Jones, motivated BJ Penn. Um, Brock Lesnar without a surgically removed butthole. I mean, you know, we've, we've, he's up there. He's, we've got six people in this, this tournament. 
Like I, I want to. We need to do like a, a tournament where people vote on these favorite fighters. Two more. We need two more to make it a real eight-man tournament. John Hess, just John Hess, the master of SAFTA. Do you remember him? Vitor Belfort punished him, murdered him, humbled him murdered. in Hawaii. As it turns out, anabolic steroids do a little more than SAFTA. Also, Vitor was a much better fighter. Fun fact. The first time – that was the first fight I ever watched was John Hess versus Andy Anderson, UFC 5, on a VHS. My cousin and I told my grandmother that it was pro wrestling, so she'd let us watch it because there's no way she'd let us watch it. I saw John Hess, and I legitimately thought he was the baddest dude in the world. And he was the – I watch it now, and I'm like, man, he's the dirtiest fighter I've ever seen, and he's ridiculous. Um, also, a thing that I took away from those early UFCs, Remember when Keith Hackney punched Joe Sun in the balls repeatedly? As it turns out, he's a giant hero because Joe Sun was arrested for committing a gang rape. So good for good for Keith Hackney. He's doing he's doing some work. Also, I'm pretty sure Joe Sun tried to throw a shoe at Austin Powers in a movie once. So screw that guy. Screw that guy. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention before we go, Joe. How, as my friend, the the friend who sarcastically likes Nikita Krylov pointed out, imagine if this were done under the new scoring terminology, where octagon aggression is literally one percent of what they are supposed to consider. He he wants to know how that would have affected scoring, or if you think it would have uh, affected scoring. Back in the early UFCs. No, today with McGregor and Diaz. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not understanding the question. How would octagon aggression? They, well, they they had changed the terminology to basically state that octagon aggression and control is like one percent of the voting or the the, the scoring. Well, you go to it after, if, it's, if if there's if you get past effective striking and effective grappling. Yes. Okay. If they would have used it, so just just so you know, uh, a while back, I'm going to go with. Uh, Two years ago, um, there was consideration for a specific scoring system um, that certain promoters would use. Uh, I'm not going to mention the promoters, very big, um, that they were going to use. And part of it, 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 in essence, what this was, Sean, was you could be walking into a bar. You could be tuning in from home at any time. And when you tune in and you see the fight, you automatically, by looking at the screen, know who would be winning that fight. And part of it, would have, it's almost like octagon control. So basically who owned the center of that ring or center of the cage throughout. It would have striking stats, grappling stats, submission attempts, all rolled up into a really cool system. I had seen it and I thought, this is fantastic. You can, you can do this. You could launch this and, and educate the masses in a heartbeat. So, um, but again, effective striking, effective grappling, uh, and then a stupid argument that, that I, that I, I'm, I mean, that I'm on one side, people are on the other side was, you know, submission attempts uh, shouldn't be counted because you don't know if they're on or they're not. Yeah, you can tell if a submission is on or not. Um, so it just got to a situation like that. But uh, in terms of, of, of looking at tonight's fight uh, as to who had octagon control more, Diaz or, or McGregor, oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, you, you might want to give it to Diaz. Because uh, he doesn't stop. He just kept moving forward, man. He just kept moving forward. He, he's the one 
that was dictating the pace of the fight despite Conor McGregor landing crazy kicks, crazy punches. But, uh, you know, it, I think every Diaz fight, they win octagon control. Conor McGregor says his shin is hurt. Everything else is good. He is uh, backstage on crutches. He says that he thinks that Nate Diaz was 20 to 25 pounds heavier than him in the cage. And uh, he says that uh, Diaz is a hell of a competitor. Um, forced to look at himself truly. He says that he has more skills than Diaz, but he's one tough mother effort. He just keeps coming. I'll bring more of that oh, to you all. What? He says it's a shin. So who knows? Um, one thing else I want to address, I see a lot of people saying, McGregor turned around and ran. Uh, in no way is turning around, is, it's ill-advised, first off. It's one of the first things you learn not to do. There were reasons he was doing that. He didn't want his back up against the cage for obvious reasons. He wanted to control, you know, he wanted to control where he was in the cage to, you know, the same way that Carlos Condit did against uh, Nick Diaz, although I don't remember Carlos Condit turning. That is very ill-advised. However, there is nowhere in the scoring that says, hey, if you turn around, you're for some reason docked points or you're, you're the, the strikes you land are negated or anything of that nature. It doesn't matter how you get to the spot in the cage you want to get. That does not affect it at all. He could have done frigging cartwheels or backflips or somersaults or he could have skipped there. Um, that's like a weird thing that always happens. And it's one of the things I see, Joe, a lot more with the casual fans than people who watch it a lot. But what's your take on stuff like that? I got no problem with any fighter that ever does it, provided they continue fighting. Um, I think uh, uh, yeah. the worst time we've ever seen it was um, the first UFC in Montreal. Rory, was it Rory Markham? Or not Rory no. Markham. Uh, sorry. Um, Caleb Starnes. It was the Caleb Starnes. There we go against Nate Quarry. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where it just, you know, to this day, I don't know. What, I mean, I, I, I've talked to Caleb many times afterwards. I still don't know why he competed like that. I don't know if he was anti-Dana White. After the Ultimate Fighter reality show, I don't know what it was, but you know that I could that move that aside. It, whatever it takes, because uh, you have to be aware of where you are in the cage. And, and tonight, Conor McGregor did realize I can't be against the cage uh, against Diaz. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply because Diaz will try and go for a takedown. And if I end up on the mat with Nate Diaz, the chances of me winning the fight drastically are reduced because now I've got to go into defense mode. I'm not going to go jujitsu for jujitsu with Nate Diaz, no matter how good I think I am when I'm beating this guy standing up. So if I get too close to the cage, whatever it takes 
to get out of there. And there's an old school adage, even in jujitsu, and you train, you understand this. Sometimes you got to throw technique out the window. There's a little button in your head that's called the panic button. And when you press that panic button, you get the hell out of dodge, throw technique out the window, get this guy or girl off my back. I'm not getting choked out. Forget about holding the arm over top, moving it around, get me out of this position. And listen, buddy, I have rubbed drywall in the eyes of my own teammates to get out of submissions. I have <laughs> surprised me. Bit, I have bitten teenage people, 17-year-olds that were getting the better of me in grappling. I bit Matt Moore. You find that boy on Twitter, he's going to say, he bit me. I have literally looked at the door of the gym and said, is that Tim McGraw? And gotten out of an arm bar. You never know. <laughs> you do what you got to do. And that's what Conor McGregor had to do. Joe, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm about to have Alexander Pawlowski on the show uh, to talk NXT. But, um, yeah, it's a bit ado to these wonderful folks. And you know, they'll, they'll see you this Wednesday. Absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Sean, will it be you and I this Wednesday? Because we haven't discussed yet. I know we will off air over the next few days uh, determine what our schedule is going to be like over the next few weeks yes, because it, we're absolutely it will be crazy. Us, it will be us on Wednesday. Uh, next Saturday, there's a show, and instead we'll have to do something maybe Sunday uh, because I have a color, a color commentary gig at Absolute Action MMA in Northern Kentucky. So if any of you are around, please check that out. But, yeah, we are back Wednesday, myself and Joe. Also, the A-Train has joined. A-Train, hold on just one moment while we bid Joe adieu. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be me and you this Wednesday, Joe, talking all the crazy, crazy fallout from UFC 202. Looking forward to it, man. Good luck, guys. Thank you. I am joined now by Alex Palowski. He covers uh, Monday Night Raw, Lucha Underground, main event, superstars, all kinds of fun stuff. Cruiserweight Classic. I don't like to have jamokes on this show, you guys. This guy is not a jamoke. I'll tell you that right now. He writes the uh, Monday Night Raw reaction that he does, the Raw Uncooked reaction. He does SmackDown React Down. He does uh, the Wednesday Wrestling Reaction. You know, I have, uh, I have Jeff and Rob on Monday and Tuesday. I think they're two of the best wrestling podcasters in the world. I have Showdown Joe on Wednesdays. Uh, one of the great minds of MMA. I have Vince Russo on Thursdays, and y'all know what Vince Russo does. Let's be real. And now I'm very happy to have uh, Alex Palowski on as often as possible because, in my opinion, this guy does the most unique, most fun coverage of pro wrestling I have ever seen. I have said this numerous times. You can get a recap, a wrestling recap, anywhere. You can only get one of Alex Palowski's recaps at Fightful.com. Alex, I just put you over like a million bucks. Now, keep in mind, I do hold a championship in an independent wrestling promotion, a very low-level one. So this, this is pretty much the biggest thing that has ever happened to you. That's true. Um, nothing's ever come through my way like this before. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you for all those uh, very kind words, and I'll try not to uh, belie them in any way over the next hour or so. Some of you will notice that he's been on our Twitter a little bit. Carlos Toro as well. Carlos Toro did some excellent kick-ass coverage of UFC 202 tonight. Uh, thanks to him because I, I wasn't – usually I cover those. I'm not able to. But he's really stepped up. Uh, in, you know, I'm getting married soon, so I've got to move some scheduling around. Also, Ryan Cook 
at the last minute. Your boy had a little scheduling error, and Ryan Cook stepped up and covered NXT very well and at an awesome level uh, at the last minute for me. So big thanks to him. He is, his coverage has been great, too. To be honest, guys, one of the hardest things starting a new site is finding people to do live coverage. And I think that I have the best team for live coverage that there is. Tonight's NXT TakeOver, it's, it's essentially their WrestleMania, Alex. I want to hear your feelings as a whole on the show. Well, um, my first thought when, uh, when I was watching this was uh, SummerSlam has to follow that. <laughs> like, it's, it's nearly impossible to imagine – um, how they this could have gone off better. I mean, uh, when I was looking at it, there were only six matches on the card. I thought uh, they might have uh, maybe shoehorned one in with a surprise, somebody coming out and calling out Hideo Itami to have his own match. But um, I was really, um, really pleasantly surprised by the whole thing. I mean, there are only six matches, uh, 14 fighters, I think. And uh, as opposed to tomorrow uh, with SummerSlam, where there are 13 matches, and I believe 46 different people uh, fighting on the card. Uh, that's, uh, that's, this might be a case of uh, less is more, and every match had something for it. Um, and like we had a whole bunch of debuts. Uh, we had takeover debuts, like this is the first takeover match for No, no Way Jose, first takeover match for Billy Kay. Uh, and then true debuts in the ring with Ember Moon and Bobby Roode. They've never been in the ring before. Uh, we got to say goodbye to Bailey. I mean, like 95% sure we said goodbye to Bailey. And we might have said goodbye to Joe. I mean, who knows what happens on the Monday after SummerSlam or the Tuesday after SummerSlam. And then we got to see what has become the signatures of NXT, which is fantastic tag wrestling, fantastic women's wrestling, and strong style slobber knockers in the main event. And I was, was really, really pleased. Yeah, I like this. And, and I watched it side by side. I had two screens up with uh, UFC 202 prelims and some of the main card as well. And NXT TakeOver. It was really fortunate because the first two UFC 202 main card fights were not very high profile. So this ran over into them. This was a good show. As, as they, you know, as is tradition, really. Um, and this had to follow a Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor show that I thought was really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bailey thing was really emotional. It was, yeah. I, I've said this. I've said this before. It's it's not a surprise to me when I go to live events and I see wrestlers that make kids cry because they're so happy. But the difference is when Bailey hugs somebody, their parents cry because they are so happy yeah. to see Bailey there. How soon do you think we could see Bailey on that main roster? Um, um, honestly, as early as tomorrow. I mean, if Sasha wins, you could have this thing where where Bailey comes out and and has a respect challenge, like "May the best woman win." Uh, you, she, you know, if if Charlotte loses but then tries to do a beatdown, you could have um, you could have Bailey come out to make the save. But I mean, she's definitely ready. Now, I mean, they, they, she, she went around and hugged Sasha, hugged Becky, hugged Charlotte. Um, she's, you know, she, she hugged Izzy, which was like all of the fields. Like they brought Izzy up and put her in the front row. And I had, didn't have the heart to tell Izzy that 
this was not going to be her night. <laughs> but uh, but that that moment when she hugged Izzy was, and you could see Izzy say good luck. Like Izzy knew that this was the last time she was going to see her in an NXT ring. And if Izzy knows, then I know. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's this week. I think the the latest we'll see her up is Tuesday if she has to if she's going to be a part of SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown needs her. SmackDown needs her real bad. And if they get Bailey and Nikki Bella, who yep. you, one would think that Nikki Bella is going to be on SmackDown because of John Cena. Now, Nikki Bella has a built-in feud with Charlotte if she were to go to Raw. Now, I could see her saying, you know, I'm doing one match, one time, and then I'm going to sign with SmackDown, something like that, because the Charlotte program is a ready-made one, and Nikki Bella's probably coming back as a babyface after all she's been through, and she has become, like, affectionately adored over the past year. Uh, you know, the Nikki Haru Belisawa thing. So I'm excited to see her back. Yeah. And she's worked. And you, you have found out over the last year how much Nikki Bella really does love wrestling because she could have just said, well, wrestling can piss off. <laughs> yeah. But I she mean, didn't. Yeah, no, so she, she powered through it. I mean, uh, th- when you see, you know, when she wears that, that neck brace to the to the ring and at WrestleMania, which is only a few months ago, and she's got that that you know, out there in her gear. Yeah, I mean her gear, but with that. the neck brace, <laughs> uh, looking like yeah. she's on some commercial for like an ambulance chasing lawyer or something. Uh, and she's got this nasty scar on her throat from the incision for the surgery. Like she could have easily just hung it up and said, "That's that's cool. I'll call it a career." Uh, but she's she loves it. She wants more of it. So you know, I got to respect that. As somebody who de- went, I went way out of the way to avoid neck surgery. I was terrified of it. Still am terrified of it. I got a lot of respect for what Nikki Bella, not only what Nikki Bella went through, but what she is doing to come back. But you know, we're talking NXT here, so yeah. No way, Jose versus Austin Aries. Hot damn, was no way Jose over with this crowd? <laughs> so over and. And I have not been a big fan of Austin Aries over the last couple of years, but he got a very good match out of No Way Jose. This was way better than I ever expected it, and the stock of both men drastically improved. Austin Aries showed that he could do exactly what the WWE wanted him to do, which was be a veteran and take guys who are not veterans, who are actually very green, and not only bring them up a level, but make them look really awesome. Make them look like they belong in the main roster right now, which is what he did. Austin Aries made No Way Jose look like he belonged to the main roster, even though he doesn't, and will not look like that against probably anybody else for quite a while. This right. was a great performance from both both men, and I think it was really best-case scenario for No Way Jose, Alex. Uh, I agree. I mean, the fact that he comes out to start the whole thing off, he's – hey – He's got brand new gear. He's got his No Way Jose stop sign shirt that was pretty cool. And then uh, I guess they broke they uh, broke the rosebuds out of mothballs to that little conga line, and uh, that was fun. The crowd loved it. Um, his his theme is totally over, not as over as a couple other themes that we'll get to, but everyone yeah. loves to sing along. And um, and you know I'm a I'm a big fan of No Way Jose ever since he showed that he wasn't all about just dance moves. Like when he got serious a couple of weeks ago uh, it, on NXT, that really great promo about showed some real fire. I was thinking when I was seeing that, that this is what Apollo Crews needs. He needs a, a, a switch that he can flip 
to 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 be no nonsense. The smile goes away, and he's ready to to, to go. And uh, I think that that Noé Jose did a did a really good job. He did better than I thought he was going to, and he's come a, a long way from, since his debut. And you know, you got to credit Alston Aries for you know making that kid look like a million bucks. Definitely, I'm getting some flack. Some people saying, "What the f, Sean? Aries is great." Yeah, Aries is really good in the ring. He just seems perpetually miserable, which is okay. That's his character now. But when he was a baby face, he also seemed perpetually miserable. After the match, Hideo Itami, whom I had completely forgotten was even on the roster, ran out, attacked uh, Austin Aries, started throwing the fabled spinning shit, and then hit a GTS, and the place went unglued. This is the first time I've been interested in Hideo Itami since he came to NXT because – I'll be honest, he really underperformed before his injury. He was not standing out, and I worried that he would get lost in the shuffle. I worried that he would be one of those guys who was a star elsewhere, but didn't, you know, it, he wasn't doing anything to separate himself. I, I'd like to compare him to Finn Balor in the ring, who has good matches in the ring, but doesn't vary it up enough. The difference is Finn Balor has a great character behind him. Hideo Itami not necessarily has. I'm interested in this. I want to see where it goes. What do you think of the Atami Aries thing they got going on now? Well, my my first thought when when uh, when Aries won was that this was the first of a series of matches between him and Noe Jose because you got to have the babyface eventually prevail over the heel. But they just no 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 way you're going to do something else. And the, uh, when Atami came out um, and uh, hit the GTS and everything, I was just like. Is it possible somehow they could retcon this so that Aries was the guy who attacked him in the parking lot, even though he wasn't with the company yet? Yeah. Because uh, I still – that's too big of a cliffhanger for me. I really, really want to hey, see uh, it. wasn't it in Orlando? It was. So? Where was Austin Aries working at that point? He was working in Orlando, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and they should, they, should, they should cobble together some security cam footage put a wig on a Tommy. So he has his old hairstyle and yeah. <laughs> reenact the whole thing in that, in that place. I think it'd be great. I mean, we saw abyss and like who else we, uh, road dog and a bunch of people show up on the T and our WWE commercial shoot. So it's not that unrealistic. Uh, sure. Why not? I mean, didn't they, I mean, <laughs> for the love of God, they, they said Rikishi ran over Steve Austin. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, I, you know what my hope and dream for Atami is to make him really, really over. What's that? I want him. I want him to turn heel, maybe even on Nakamura, and say that he's a disgrace to Japanese wrestling. This isn't how Japanese fans act. And then he brings his own fans and sets like five of them ringside, and they just they sit there with their arms folded, like your typical douchebag fans that are like, impress me. They clap a little bit, and that's how he wants his matches to be. Which the thing is, he'll probably get over as a babyface doing that, and then you'll have a bunch of smart-ass fans sitting on their hands. So I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Yeah, I just love the idea of of the the Japanese fans sitting there in suits, stone-faced, and then whenever he hits his hesitation drop kick, they're just there doing. Yeah, they. they you know what? If you look back at like 1995 matches with Triple H, people were doing that back then because he was the blue blood. Right. And you'll see like groups of three or four people just doing the little mini clap. I thought that was really cool. Billy Kay versus Ember Moon. They changed Billy Kay's music from that super fire theme that she had on live events. Pretty 
upset about that. Ember Moon looked really good. Good, I guess her gimmick is that she's a goddamn werewolf. <laughs> she has werewolf uh, things. Whatever makes her a little different, and anything to stand out. Whatever. If she's if she's okay with it and it works for her, fine. She hit her sweet stunner off the top rope. This was impressive. Ember Moon is immediately a player in the women's division of NXT. Alex. Uh, yeah, uh, she is. Um, I, my, my only note would be that I want her to wear that sweet Assassin's Creed hood and the, ma- and the, and the, and the face covering all the way to the ring and then take it off because yeah. that thing, she looks so badass in that hood. And, uh, and I love, I love the red eyes. I love the fangs. If she's, if she is a werewolf assassin, that is automatically the most badass gimmick I've ever heard of in my life. So yeah, keep keep doing that. And I don't know if you saw. Of course this. you would. <laughs> I'm not uh, big into the I'm not big into the werewolves and the wizards and the witches and the vampires and the. Well, I'm not big. Into, not I'm not big into werewolves, Sean. I'm big into werewolf assassins. That's a, there's a big big difference. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hitmen for hire who are also you know creatures of the night. That's what I'm I'm into. But uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a a fallout video for Takeover where they were interviewing Bailey. And Ember Moon just walked up to her and said, hey, you did a really great job in NXT, and I can't wait to see what you, you've been a really big inspiration to us, and, you know, good luck. And Bailey was like, yeah, you, good luck with you too. It was really forced and really wooden, but they're obviously trying yeah. to portray her as the next big baby face now that yeah, Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, I haven't seen that. I need to check that out. Of course, we're going to have those up on the website. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out Fightful.com and your first-time viewers, anything like that, uh, check us out. We have news updates all day. I'm talking like two or three dozen. We're pouring a lot of resources into this website because we know that there are more crossover fans than WWE or UFC would like to admit. I think tonight proved that. Last night's Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view, our live viewing party, had more than double the comments of the top four visited wrestling websites, wrestling news websites in the world. Uh combined so that was pretty impressive and i did look i just got a message that nate diaz just smoked weed on the press conference stage he is still in competition um right now technically what an idiot he's going to be banned or he's going to get a fine and a suspension jesus anyway um yeah, visit Fightful.com. We have tons of exclusive, exclusive interviews, exclusive news stories, podcast columns from Vince Russo. So register at Fightful.com absolutely free. You'll never have to pay a dime for that. Uh, no credit card, anything of that nature. You'll also get access to our forums. We had been doing a daily thread for a while, but we're moving that over to the forum so it's a little easier for you guys to find. Also, I mean, if anybody you know likes my, like my work anywhere, let them know. Let them know on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, things of that nature. Let them know uh, what we're doing here at Fightful. We haven't started marketing yet, but we're still building things. So we always appreciate your support, but your support is very important. So share our stories. And like I said, if you don't like MMA, boxing, or wrestling, you can filter each of those out on the main page. But I wanted to do something different with the site. Not only just do news stories, and I didn't want to cram like three little things that you all don't give a shit about. We don't do that. We put those in our fight size updates. We do those for MMA, uh, pro wrestling, boxing, whenever they are applicable. Whenever we have enough to just cram into one, that's what we do. We want to give a little bit of a different experience. Also, we want to be a full-on multimedia site. That's why we allow you to uh, 
to uh, comment on everything. That's why we post videos all the time. We have highlights up of the McGregor fight, the Rumble Johnson fight, things like that. That way you don't have to go hunt for things on YouTube. You'll find them at Fightful.com. So please do that. Also subscribe to the YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up. That helps as well. Also, if you like the podcast and you want to listen on audio, we have them up on direct download and we have it streaming audio uh, as well uh, shortly after they go off video. We're working on iTunes, working on that, hopefully very soon. Now that I got that big pitch out of the way, also, are, are you covering SummerSlam tomorrow, Alex? Is that you? I am. I will be doing the live coverage of SummerSlam tomorrow. Also, oh. you're joining me on the... You're joining um, me on the post show podcast too, and on the post show podcast. So uh, it'll be the podcast. What the, the hell is a podcast? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm really close to Chicago, so sometimes the uh, the accent slips in there. But uh, oh boy, no, it's it's uh, six hours, including the pre show tomorrow. So then uh, then we'll just jump <laughs> right into the podcast. So that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh God, I gotta pay you so much money for that. Um, <laughs> oh, between tonight, last night, and tomorrow night. It's an expensive night for Fightful, paying our writers. Um, man, um, but you all deserve it. We have, the, we have a great team. We really do. Um, what's next here? Andrade Cien Almas against Bobby Roode. What? They got it out for Almas. They put him in his first match against Ty Dillinger who was beloved in the area. Then they put him up against Bobby Roode, who has the catchiest theme song, maybe in pro wrestling history. Somebody's pissed so the match, Yeah, somebody doesn't want him to get over. He, you know, the match was fine. That sh- that's fine. Bobby Roode's finish is straight duty. <laughs> it is the least glorious finish that I have ever <laughs> seen. It is it is simply Road Dog's pump handle slam. It's it's nothing. And they call it they have the nerve to call it a glorious bomb. There's nothing glorious about it. Uh yeah. I mean, but I'll tell you what was glorious. His entrance was glorious. Hell yeah, up, it was. Up on that <laughs> that uh, that uh I don't know what that was, just some giant it's structure a, and, and a big <laughs> platform. That was amazing. And the crowd, of course. Because, like, you know, there's one of those things that, that the, the NXT crowds can be a little up their own ass at times. Asses, for, sure. But, but, uh, but I will forgive them for a lot of stuff if you're going to sing along to the words, to the glorious. That was, that was unlike anything I've ever heard. It was so amazing. And here's the thing. That was probably the greatest entrance I have seen in forever. And it held the title for about a, an hour. <laughs> because because there was another entrance later that that topped it, but my God, that was that was pretty amazing. The fact that then then but they had almost come on second to follow that, right? Didn't they? Like, yeah, that's that's I mean, brutal. How that, how dare you, WWE? How dare you? And they're still dressing him in that weird pimp outfit with the hat and the suspenders. And it's just yeah. it's he's it's impossible for him to get over. And I mean, he had, he did really well in the match. I thought, like, uh, but his, yeah, his finish where he slams a dong into the person's face in the corner is pretty cool too. Uh, it's the running knees. I, I do like the finish. Uh, all dong jokes aside, he's he's starting to do that now as his setup to his finish. Like the last episode that he was on on NXT, he does this 
really cool like hammerlock trap DDT thing that looks brutal. Uh, he was actually going for that when when uh, Rude set up his finisher. But I mean, give that finisher to Rude because you know, like that finisher is going to be over. And but the the pump handle thing is not. I got heat with a guy named King of Indie Style over the Hideo Itami suggestion, mocking the Japanese culture because they're quiet during matches. I didn't say mock. I'm saying that that's how Itami should say that. That's how fans should act. Right. And, you know, American fans act different. So (laughs) he also says, he also told me to stop insulting the legendary Misawa with uh, the Nikki Haru Belisawa crap. Come on now. Come on now. She's gotten really good. Her, Her forearms are some of the best in wrestling. I'm not even kidding. They're really good. So, yeah, somebody has it out for, uh, Andrade Almas. They showed the the Cruiserweight Classic trophy. What did you think of it? I know you covered the Cruiserweight Classic. You got a lot of time invested into it. What did you think? Uh, it's, it's a trophy. I mean, I, I I want them to I want them to give whoever wins the belt for the Cruiserweight division and immediately promote that guy to Raw. Like that's that's what I want. But I don't. I know I'm not going to get that. I mean, um, but I mean, I, I the trophy looks fine. I think it's kind of funny they have like the Orange County chopper guys who are, you know, uh, designing it, which is yeah. interesting. Uh, and I'm not like either way, I really don't care, but like it was, that, that was an interesting choice. Um, but I mean, I, I want, I want it to be a belt. I mean, that's, that's, I've always wanted it to be a belt. Yeah. And um, cause really the only trophy they give out now is that Andre the giant Memorial battle Royal trophy, which well, Baron Corbin is carrying around since April like it's, it's Dan car keys and he brings it to the match every time every time he's got a match. They probably they probably make him carry it through the airport like the money in the bank briefcase. <laughs> yeah. Uh those those boobs. Um Yeah, so it looks like the the winner won't get a championship, which has been speculated. That's kind of a bummer. Um It's a bummer. Yeah. What was not a bummer was Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa against the Revival. This match was everything in which I hoped it would be, I thought it would be. It was an emotional roller coaster. The Revival are not like it's it's so weird because I want to say they're not like the greatest wrestlers ever, but their fundamentals are so sound that it makes everyone it, it makes you wonder why everyone can't do what they can do. And the reason is it's because they're special. I used to think, man, their fundamentals are just really good. No, they're just really good. They're just really good. They understand and they're able to mix a style of old school in with what they do today. And they they do the things that get heat and the things that maybe didn't work from the old school era of wrestling, they leave away. And man, these guys are so good. I do have one gripe. They're... The image billed them as being like 440 pounds combined, but Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano is like 383. So, uh, and no, no, one of those weights is wrong. Yeah, but com- this match was so awesome, Alex. It was, it was, uh, it was, it stole the show. I, I figured it was going to. To me, like it stole the show. I mean, everything that happened after it was also amazing. But this was one of the top tag matches I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's, it's blasphemous to say this since, you know, American alpha also exists, but these, this might be the best two tag teams in the company. Alpha is going to, is going to be that 
eventually. But right now, Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano have such experience. Uh, they're so smooth working together. It's just it's, – it's so fast-paced. They're, they move like lightning, and, and, and the revival – like they're such great shit heel tag tag yeah. guys. Where they pull dudes off of the ramp to make sure the uh, the, the the apron so that the other guy can't make the tag. Uh, they're the dash like legit like deliberately flings himself into the ring to gain the to, to distract the referee. All this stuff and they're so good at all these these great um, setting up of everything. The shatter machine is one of the most over tag finishers that I've seen in forever. Um, it, they're, they're just so good at what they do. Um, and uh, if, you, if you love tag wrestling, um, my, my hope was that Tommaso and Johnny were going to win today so that yeah. Revival could get up immediately to feud with Alpha because Alpha has nobody to feud with on SmackDown. Like they have the Usos are the best tag team on SmackDown besides alpha and that's just it's not cutting it unless you're gonna show me heel usos and in which case awesome but i don't think you're gonna do that so uh i'm i've just loved everything i saw because tag tag wrestling is my jam and this hit all the sweet spots there were also i don't want to say they were teasing it but you very well you could have seen champa just throw gargano into the, the the stairs, the barricade, anything. He had his hand on his neck. They knew what they were doing. They yeah. absolutely knew it's, what they were doing. They were setting it up. They've been setting it up since their Cruiserweight Classic match. Ooh, man, that's a one-on-one match that if you – because, see, my thing, people were calling like it a match of the year candidate. I didn't think their match was a match of the year candidate. I thought it was a good match. I wanted it to be longer because I know that they could have carried it longer and it could have really taken you on a ride. Very few people in pro wrestling play crazy and angry the way that Tommaso Ciampa plays it. So, yeah, yeah that they were obviously doing the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn thing, walking up the ramp arm in arm, and all of a sudden, you know, I I, I thought uh, I was like, please don't do it, Tommy. Please don't do it, Tommaso. You just you, not yet, and because uh, uh, it was such a great match, and I didn't want it to end that way. But I mean. When I wrote my Cruiserweight Classic preview, like back in July 13th or something, published it, um, I predicted that the, the, their match in the first round was going to end with Ciampa turning on Gargano. Uh, and I said that, that that feud could carry the mid-card of NXT through December. Um, so whenever they, whenever they decided to do it, like they were holding something back in that match uh, at the Cruiserweight Classic. There's more that they have left to give, and I can't wait to see what that is. I just don't want it yet because they're too good together right now. Yeah, I agree, and that tag division needs them because the authors of pain, I don't know if they're ready. Maybe for what they do in the ring they, they are, but I, I don't think they're ready. A beautiful match. Beautiful match. As you mentioned, the shatter machine is such a kick-ass finish. That finish is so great. Well, Perfect. especially when you when you have when you have people like Champa and Gargano who are so good that they came up with this amazing way of getting out of it, like into a roll up by by Champa and Gargano gets rid of all of those those false finishes were just fantastic. Where they where you had uh, I think Dawson put Dash's foot on the ropes and all that stuff, and and where 
where uh, Champa had one of them in, in, in the, his Fujiwara armbar, and he, it, was, it was Dash trying to get in the ring and Gargano holding him back. And I mean, it's, it's just so good. All of the spots were fantastic in that match. Asuka versus Bailey. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Great match. Awesome match. Another roller coaster ride. And there were, there were major stakes here. Either Bailey's getting her championship back or she's probably going to the main roster. That, that's pretty much how it is. Or that's how we assume it is, rather. Um, it's just a good match. Just a good match. I watched this with uh, some casual wrestling fans who were uh, – one of them was my catch wrestling coach, and he was high on Asuka because she had trained overseas with, with some famous catch wrestlers, which I didn't know about. So that makes me like her even more, being a catch wrestling fan. But – Wonderful work here. Asuka works unlike so many other women that the WWE has. Maybe a little bit like Nikki Haru Belasawa, the the queen of strong style, but that that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, just joking, guys. Don't like find me and stab my cats or anything. The the finish I thought was really cool, Alex, where Bailey started to no sell these kicks and hulked up, and then she just got blasted and. Wasn't no selling that. What yeah. do you think of the match? The, uh, the the aftermath, them hugging. Yeah, that was that was interesting to me. I always I always thought that when when Oscar find because it was going to be Oscar who sent Bailey away for for good. When I thought when she did that, she was going to have to turn full heel, and the hug really surprised me because they still have not yet done what I always wanted them to do with Oscar back when she was in Japan, where she was this like painted nightmare clown thing that she would come out as when she was working heel. Uh, and I loved that. And I would ever, I wanted, I would still want that. I when we came down to the ring. She had the mask on over it. I wanted her to pull away the mask and have that crazy makeup on underneath. Yeah. Uh, I still am looking for that heel. And I think that, that now that Bailey's gone and I think that she moves probably into a feud uh, with Ember Moon that uh, I, I love the idea of werewolf assassin versus nightmare clown. That's, that's something I could go for. Speaking of nightmare clown, I hate it when those WWE main roster makeup ladies get a hold of Bailey because she doesn't need all that shit, you guys. Nope. Jesus, every time they do a show the same weekend as the WWE show, these main roster makeup ladies paint her up. Like, like that's not a part of her appeal. She appeals to younger girls, and she appeals to everybody. I posted a picture where uh, on, on the Fightful account a few months ago of like there was a photo where an old woman was there, uh, a teenage boy, an adult male, a little girl, a little boy, and they were all overjoyed. She appeals to all those, and she doesn't need you know the glam of WWE. She doesn't need that. Uh, take a minimal, minimalist approach there, you guys. But a very, very emotional match, as, as NXT does – Repeatedly, with Sami Zayn beating Neville, with Sami Zayn leaving, facing Nakamura, with the Owen stuff, like they they do emotional really really well. I have uh, there's a hot topic in the YouTube people talking about saying that an LB or LGBT character would be a bad idea. Mark my words, it's not a bad idea because it's just going to be a character. It's just going to be like, oh hey, uh, hypothetically Finn Balor is gay or something like that. They're not going to bring it up. They're not going to have him chasing dudes on air, I wouldn't think. They, you know, whether it's Darren Young or whoever, they have to do it. It's not going to be like 
They're not going to play, portray a stereotype to where they get – it's not going to be like unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, if you all have seen that show. It's not going to be like Titus Andromedon dancing around singing Pinot Noir. It's going to be just a dude because that's how they should portray people like that, just as people. But it's not going to be hope. Billy and Chuck. Yeah, I, I don't think they would go that. I don't think they would do Billy and Chuck. No, not, not again. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura versus uh, Samoa Joe. Shinsuke Nakamura with a really cool entrance. They had – I don't know who the guy was that played the violin. I wish they would have gotten Kay Suzuki because, to be honest, Kay Suzuki is the woman who did the, the subconscious cover when he was in New Japan, and it got a ton of attention. And I believe that's what inspired CFOs to even do the violin theme in the first place, and she has since covered that as well and has expressed her desire to cover that live. So hopefully that happens. But, man, the guy who did this was unbelievable. He was awesome. This was a very special entrance, Alex. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, uh, uh, I, went, I went and took the liberty of looking it up. Uh, this guy is uh, Lee England Jr. Uh, I have a quote for you. Lee awesome. England Jr. is the Michael Jordan of the violin. And you know who said that? Michael Jordan. So really, so uh, yeah, uh, he is he is signed to Jordan Brand. He is the only okay, non athlete yeah. signed to Jordan sorry, Brand. Sorry, sorry, K Suzuki, you got <laughs> one up. So I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. yeah, so cool, cool. Nakamura cool. Joe, hard hitting as expected. Started off with a lot of the, the shoot style type mm-hmm. of work. What'd you think of the match? I mean, how can you – I it didn't turn out the way I wanted. Uh, I wanted Joe to win. I wanted not to have to work for it. Um, I, I thought it was too quick to take the belt off Joe because he's been doing such great work. But I can't second complain about the second shortest reign match. of all time. Yeah. The second shortest reign in NXT history at over four months. Yeah. I, 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 I can't complain about the match. The match was excellent. You know what I mean, but but it wasn't it wasn't the the long form story I wanted to tell between these two guys. Uh, I wanted I wanted Joe to win, and Shins, because Shinsuke got cocky, and then Shinsuke has to come back for a second time, and he wins the rematch, and Joe demands a rematch, and then Shinsuke beats in beats him clean, really really easily, not really easily, but easier than the second time, and then Joe goes away. Like uh, it's it's too early, I feel like for Joe. They didn't they certainly didn't send Joe off. There wasn't a there wasn't like a goodbye for Joe, so it doesn't feel like he's leaving. And if he's not leaving yet, then I don't see why you're taking the belt off him yet. But but like I said, you can't complain about the match. The match is amazing. All the false finishes and and uh, like kicking out of the muscle buster, kicking out of the Kinshasa. Uh, apparently, they threw up the X. Uh, I, there was speculation about his jaw being broken, but I mean, I I, I don't yeah. know anything about. I'm interested to see where NXT goes. It's really hard to map out where they're going to go, which is, that's one of the beauties of NXT. And you always get these weird people that are like, the Performance Center doesn't blah, 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 doesn't build new stars. It's only been open three years. I don't know what kind of world-class athletes, world-class wrestlers, you want them to build from the ground up in three years. Lay off the shit, guys. Cut them some slack. Three years? What isn't, I mean, Chad Gable, they built him from the ground up pretty much, and he was an Olympian, but still. 
that's what it's there for. Traditionally, uh, developmental territories, I really like that they bring in guys like Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, and Samoa Joe to help the young people. There, there are a lot of people that are like, well, they shouldn't even have those guys. Yeah, we'll see how, how well the, the rate of improvement is if you don't have these green guys, these younger guys, working with veterans. They, and, and watching guys like Nakamura and Joe work together in a main event, watching two veterans work, I think it's great. Glad to see Nakamura with the title. I think that he is what they can build this brand around because he is an attraction. He is very special. Would like to see him on the main roster, but yeah. Uh, I, I like this. I think they can build around him for the NXT brand. I don't know what's happening with Joe. No idea. But I'm on board with Nakamura, Alex. I love Nakamura. I just I, I, th- I thought it was just a little too early for him to get the title, but I love him. I love everything that he does in the ring. I love his unpredictability as a character. I think that he's going to sell tickets like crazy. They're, they just announced that they're going to uh, Australia, Australia for 10 days in December. And with him as the, as the, as the champ, you're going to sell a lot more tickets. Um, you know, with him there doing that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he, he needs to, he's going to be amazing on the main roster, but, uh, but now, especially with Bailey leaving, you've got to have somebody who really brings in that ticket revenue or why, or why are you touring the product? Um, but he's, he's fantastic. Uh, I'm assuming that if Joe doesn't go, doesn't go up soon, that they're going to have a, a, you know, Joe versus Nakamura two, which, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for cause this match was fantastic. So, um, I just I, I've been such a huge fan of everything that Joe has done in NXT, uh, and they really he really paid his dues, and uh, I, it was a fantastic match either way. But I was really pulling for Joe. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I can see that because you don't know what you don't know what the future holds for Joe, whether it be on the main roster. You don't know what the future holds for NXT. It changes on a week to week basis. And, I mean, they tape so far in advance, you really don't know what they're going to do. I thought this show was really good. Um, it followed a Ring of Honor uh, Death Before Dishonor show. Did you watch any of that? No, I didn't. I didn't have a chance to. Jay Lethal's uh, Ring of Honor World Championship reign, oh, finally over. One of the longest ever. A great reign. Adam Cole takes the victory. Adam Cole – it's. And the trend of New Japan making Ring of Honor their bitch also continued for, for many reasons. There's a lot of people that will try to justify it, but it happened. Ring of Honor got their one win with Addiction. But then you had Hangman Page, who is a guy that New Japan likes. You had Okada beating Castle. Sure, you got to do that. But I think, I think Okada made Castle look really good. Shibata beating Silas Young. You kind of had to do that, and Silas hung with him too. There, there was a big difference in this as compared to other times is that the Ring of Honor wrestlers were elevated, I think, by the matches that they had with, with New Japan guys, as opposed to previously that, didn't, that wasn't always the case. Uh, Donovan Dijak, I think, is going to be on WWE's radar. If he's not already, he's the size of guy that WWE wants. Um, so I think that's a thing. That's, that's a thing to look out for. Silas Young is so much fun. Do you do you watch much of Silas Young? I I don't. I'm I'm one of those Jeez, terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean I've I've watched 
uh, what I could from that Lethal and Adam Cole match, and I thought that was amazing. I didn't have a chance to watch the whole uh, thing yeah. as, a, as a whole, but yeah. Um, there's a lot of oh, stuff that I'm... I'll handle most of this Ring of Honor talk here. Bobby Fish re- retained over Mark Briscoe. I, I like the build-up to this feud about – I didn't like Bobby Fish saying that if somebody else won the title, it becomes a secondary title. You shouldn't even enter that in somebody's mind, that it could be considered a, a, a secondary title. Not after what Jay Lethal did to build that, so I thought that was kind of whack. Adam Cole beat Jay Lethal. You've got to think that that's going to Kyle O'Reilly next, or they're going to have a match. Kyle O'Reilly was there, didn't have a match. Bummed about that because he's one of my favorite workers in the world. He is unbelievable. Really like him. The addiction keep just sneaking their way in, and that was a big win for the addiction. Beating Tanahashi and Elgin, and then Tetsuya Naito and Evil. Damn, that's a big one. That's a big one. And while I'll say, you know, New Japan obviously gets the most of this, most out of this. Uh, agreement with Ring of Honor because they, they win all the damn time. You had Shibata making Silas Young look good. They respected each other. That was cool. Hangman Page beat Jay Briscoe. Hangman Page splits his time. So that that's fine. That's fine. But Jay Briscoe, that's a big, big win for Hangman Page. Okada defeated Castle, but Okada sold for charisma and awkwardness and weirdness. I thought that was a big move. Like, he whipped him off the ropes, and Castle did this thing where he arches his back, and Okada almost bumped for him. It was so cool. But the addiction win was big. That was very big. So, yeah, I loved the show. I thought the show was really good. Uh, I could think of far worse ways to spend three hours. And it was a great way to kick off this big weekend. And they did it across the country in Las Vegas. They, you know, SummerSlam and NXT had the – whoa, almost knocked over my mic there – SummerSlam and NXT had the New York connection as well as Evolve, Cody Rhodes, Joey Styles showing up there. But Las Vegas had Ring of Honor and UFC, so kind of a cool connection, I thought. Now, this is one of the biggest weekends in memory for in my memory for pro wrestling and MMA combined. This was a rough two months, Alex. We had a billion UFC shows. We had a draft. We had this weekend, which, you know, it's not over yet. Nope. NXT, WWE, UFC, all that stuff. Well, what are you looking forward to in pro wrestling post-SummerSlam? Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how these they split up the brands more. Uh, you, you still have all these, uh, you know, the, the first ever the, of this era, SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view happens only like three weeks after SummerSlam, so they got to do a – a quick build of that, get some, get the tag belts, you know, out there, uh, probably just slap them right on American alpha as soon as they've been minted. Uh, and, uh, uh, they're going to have the women's division now, which is sorely lacking heels at this point. They might, I mean, they did this fantastic thing of like turning Naomi into this amazing, like raver girl, yeah. uh, baby face. And now they like they need her to be a heel with if when Eva's gone because all they got is Natty and Alexa Bliss, and they don't have any. They have these the other the other ones are are they only have five women on SmackDown with Eva Marie out. So what are they going to do? You know, I, I I'm I'm hoping that that uh, that Natty and Alexa recruit Nia Jax 
to be their third in the match tomorrow and and uh, just to, just to get Nia on the card for gosh sake uh, and then they could do something with that but but as far as the women's division on SmackDown goes with Eva Marie out I mean they seem to be building everything around that and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what they do now in NXT now where they've put the belt on Shinsuke and they have an Shinsuke and Asuka at the same time which is very cool to me to have uh, the Japanese hold in court right now. So I'll talk a little bit about Evolve, too. I didn't get to watch all of it. Uh, Matt Riddle is so good, so good at the little things that it takes a long time for people to grasp. He is learning pro wrestling as quickly as anybody I've ever seen, anybody I've ever seen. And I'm putting that up there with Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, that quick. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. It's that quick. He's learning that fast. Cody Rhodes beat Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Good. Cody Rhodes has made himself an indie star with that list, Alex. That that list that he did, he shows the guys on that list so much respect that he had custom boots made for every single match. This guy is going about things the absolute right way after being only a WWE project. He was not an indie guy. He was nothing of that nature. He's the son of Dusty Rhodes, who was in WWE much quicker than he really should have been, than he had any business being. Did fairly well. He never had any – you won't be able to point out any amazing singles matches from Cody Rhodes in the WWE, but and maybe that will change on the indie circuit. I'm thrilled with the fact that he was able to do that. He lost to Chris Hero at Evolve 67. Uh, Matt Riddle defeated Tommy End. Zack Sabre over Cedric Alexander would really love to see that. Timothy Thatcher defeated Drew Gulak. That's cool. And also you had the Drew Galloway, Dustin, and EC3 defeating uh, TJP, Fred, uh, Ethan Page. Evolve's doing some cool stuff. I want to find more time to watch Evolve. So, yeah, big, big, big weekend, you guys. If you all haven't subscribed to our our YouTube page, do that. Also, uh, sign up at Fightful.com. I can't stress how important that is. For us, uh, especially our owners, it's a very important thing to them that we get a lot of signups on that page. So absolutely free. Don't spam you. No credit card needed, anything of that nature. Get access to our forums. Get early access to our exclusives. We have all kinds of backstage news that is under our exclusive section on wrestling and MMA right now. We have our Wikipedia True or False where I run through people's Wikipedia pages with them, Pro Wrestling, WWE, TNA, uh, Bellator, UFC Fighters. And they tell me if these facts are true or false, and I'll say, thus far, nobodies have all been true. Fun thing that we do there. Also, of course, you get Alex's reaction post. Tell them a little bit, bit about that, Alex. They are We have people contact. I have people email me. Email me to tell me how entertaining your reaction pieces are. Well, that's that's really that's really cool to hear. Uh, I'm I do live coverage for for Raw. Uh, and I uh, also write a what I call the uncooked raw reaction, which is just taking everything happened on Raw the night before and putting it all together, put a fun spin on it. I do the same thing uh, with SmackDown. Uh, Ryan Cook does our live coverage for that, but I then I take the same thing to do it again. We call that the SmackDown React Down. And then uh, currently we have uh, two shows on Wednesday, which is the NXT and CWST. So I take both of those things and kind of you know again react to what's what's going on there. With CWC, it's more like just a recap of the uh, of the matches themselves until we get into some more intrigue with there. 
But, uh, but I call that the Wednesday Wrestling Recap uh, uh, Reaction. Sorry, Wednesday Wrestling Reaction. Uh, reaction spelled with a W so that it could be the triple dub. And uh, <laughs> um, so I'm doing that. And then uh, I'm going to try and see what I can do for, uh, for Lucha Underground when that comes back in a couple of weeks. But I want to make sure I get a little something out there for, uh, for all the major stuff that happens every week. Yeah, guys, we have full coverage of every single show. I'm talking like we don't have live viewing parties for superstars or main event for obvious reasons. Uh, it's on demand only, so there's no live thing. But Alex makes that show like, no, you're not going to watch main event. Let's be serious, you guys. You're not watching main event. You're not watching superstars. But what you can do is check out Alex's recaps because they are so entertaining. They are always entertaining. He makes that show like you're not going to enjoy watching it either. But you'll enjoy reading Alex's stuff, which is one of the reasons we are so fortunate to have him. Uh, I like, I like to say that, uh, that I watch main event and superstars, so you don't have to. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's one of the ways that you actually pitched when you emailed me. You're like, listen, I cover these shows. And I saw your recap, and I was like, I got to have this guy covering Raw. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can get a straight – you can go anywhere and hear this person does this move. whoop de doo That's yeah. cool. We want to add some flavor. That's why we have guys like Vince Russo on the show. You think I have Vince Russo on Fightful.com to just call moves? Wrong. Wrong. By the way, that show is up every Thursday afternoon. I'm a Showdown Joe on Wednesdays. Rob McCarron of Shake Them Ropes on Mondays. Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes on Tuesdays post-Smackdown. And uh, I'm hoping that Alex Pawlowski becomes our permanent post-pay-per-view uh, host. If uh, you know the powers that be agree, I would like for that to happen. Um, we are back tomorrow night after SummerSlam. So hopefully we can get, you know, we'll be on moments after SummerSlam if, if all goes well. We had some technical issues last time, but it seems like our boy Alex got those cleared up. Yep. Anything you all want to see added to this site, you let me know. Email me, sean at fightful.com. Uh, any recommendations, any suggestions, any people you want us to talk to, any features you'd like to see, any uh, writers that you want, any podcast personalities you'd like, contact me. We will uh, – We'll check it out, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the, the team that we have. We have really good guys. Carlos Toro, man, that guy works so much. This is a kid. English is not his first language, mind you. He's putting himself through college after living in Puerto Rico, and he has turned this into a full-time job. So hats off to Carlos for his tireless work that he does. Um, so, yeah, I love having him, love having Ryan, Alex, and then, of course, all of our great writers like Steve and Justin. Justin Golightly did a comprehensive history of Touch Butt and did some original art. Did you see that art, Alex? I, I did. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Must watch stuff. Alex, anything to tell these people before we go? Edition of the Fightful.com podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pulowski the fourth and the four is the numeral four. Uh, that is because actually I am Alex Pulowski the fourth, uh, the Damn. fourth in the line of, of Alex Pulowski's. The first uh, was the first one to come over from Poland. So fun fact there. God damn. Uh, guys, follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Also, follow us, Fightful Online, on Facebook and Twitter. You'll get all of our news stories, updates, things of that nature. 
stay up to date. Fightful.com, of course, support our sponsors, DraftBeast.com, and on it. You can go to our podcast page, which has a spiffy photo of me on it now. Click any of our links. Go to that podcast page and click that on it link. It really helps us out. Uh, order from there. They have great stuff. You can buy a kettlebell with a gorilla on it that looks like it's about to bite your ass off. It might bite your ass off. There have been no reported cases of the kettlebells actually biting somebody's ass off, but there's it's a, a pretty first, intimidating thing. There's a first time for everything, though. You never know. You never know. But, guys, thank you so much. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Please leave a thumbs up on the uh, YouTube video as well. That helps out a lot, too. Guys, until tomorrow night, we are out.